attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our generous sponsors, BetterHelp, Gusto, and Artcat.com. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Beth McClary Walford, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. It is so much fun to be here today. I can't wait. I love that. I love that energy. That's good. It's going to be a fun conversation. We're going to talk about sales and growth and architects. They hear that word and some of them sort of bristle and the spine tingles a little bit and the hairs in the back of their head go up and they get nervous because we're going to talk about sales, but it's something that we all need to do. It's all something that we need to do in order to do the things that we really love to do. And I think there is a way that we can do sales in a better way that you can love that as well. We're going to talk about that today with Beth. So Let me introduce you, Beth. Beth is a business coach and career professional with a focus on sales growth for small and medium-sized businesses. That's us. Her expertise includes developing and implementing solution-based sales plans, as well as proven repeatable sales processes. In 2020, she created Superpower Strategies to help businesses, nonprofits, and individual professionals find and use their growth superpowers. So I'm excited about this. I love talking about sales because I'm not good at it, right? I'm an architect too, right? But when it works, I love it, right? Because it's that step that we need to get to the thing that we want to do. And the thing that we want to do is serve our clients in the best way we can. That's the first step, right? Once they learn who we are and they find their way to us, we need to make sure things are the right match and we can move on from there. So Beth, welcome. Welcome to the show. Well, I'm very excited to be here. And you're exactly right. But it's not just in your field that people have issues with saying they're in sales. It's everybody. We all forget that as children, we were the best salespeople in the world because we <laughs> we didn't know what rejection was. And we continued to ask for what it was we wanted until... Your parents either gave up or shut you down completely, right? Yeah. But if you really wanted it, you would go back to it. So that's true. That's true. Before we jump into the conversation with sales and helping our listeners do it better, I want to learn more about you and your origin. So, when did you discover your passion for what you do today and maybe even who or what inspired you to get started? So, When I started in college, I graduated from college, I had to do an internship. And 
I was a broadcast journalism major. And the typical internship for a broadcast journalism major is to work in a newsroom. And I thought, well, okay, I'll do that. But there has to be something else for me to do at a television station or a radio station or even a newspaper. And so I went to my advisor and I said, what else is there? And they said, well, you know, you could always sell. You could always sell advertising. And I said, well, I want to do that too. And they said, what? And I said, well, can I do sales in the morning and work in the sales department and then work in the newsroom in the afternoon? Well, it was an eye-opening experience because the salespeople had a great life. And they drove these beautiful cars and (laughs) they had these nice jobs and they got to go out to lunch. And then the newsroom, well, they were told what they had to wear. They couldn't cut their, of course, now this was in the 80s. So now I'm aging myself, but they were told what, how to wear their hair. They worked horrible hours, got paid yuck and didn't drive the pretty cars. And I'm not that shallow, but I thought, you know, What's wrong with this? Right. You know, there's something wrong with this. And I thought, I think sales is where I want to go. I actually got my first, as an intern, they sent me out to cover a story. And the story was about a wreck here in Chattanooga. It was a road that always had wrecks on it. And the lady was decapitated. And they mm-hmm. wanted me to do a story on it. And so I went and interviewed all the people. And they did all the videos. And on the way back, I looked at the cameraman and I said, I know that this is a chance of a lifetime for me, but this isn't newsworthy. And I don't know that I can do this. Yeah. That was it. So you say, what was that moment? I went, you know what? You don't have to do this. Right. Don't do this. You know? Yeah. And so I walked in, I set the stuff down on the producer's desk and I said, here's all your notes. Here's all your video. Because back then it was actual cassettes. I said, have fun with that. I'm done. (laughs) And immediately went up to the sales department and told the national sales director that I wanted a job. And of course he laughed and he says, honey, we don't hire people in television without experience. So. I went out and I found another job in sales. I sold radio advertising. I then went into technology and telecommunications, helped start up some some technology companies, worked for value-added resellers selling high-end computer equipment and network infrastructure. I did all of those things. I have sold software application to the service or the trades industry that help them price their products. And in all of that, my favorite part of my job was helping people, one, get into sales, lift them up and teach them the trade, the profession, and help them become successful. And so I thought there has to be a way to do that and do that on my own so that I'm not working for other people. And I was a person who carried people's flags. So I would work for you and I would carry your flag and I would get the team together and we would go out and charge and sell. And as I got older and as I got more expensive in my roles, I realized that I was really priced out of the market where I could have the most impact. And that's in the small to medium sized business sector. They're the ones that really need me, but they can't afford to hire me full time. And so I found a company called SalesQB who had created a fractional or part-time sales manager sales leadership role, our company, an idea, and jumped in and they trained me how to do it to start my own company. And I became an entrepreneur and I never thought I would. So that is... A very edited story because I had 37 years of experience. And I know, I know. You look at me and go, there's no way. But there he is. <laughs> That's amazing. 30 plus years. <laughs> Thank you. I'll send you your check in a little while. All right. But, Sounds good. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I got started. And I've helped lots of companies go from the depths of despair, I call it, where 
they can't sell themselves out of a box to where they're thriving and profitable and there is no problem that sales revenue just can't solve. Yeah, I agree. I think that sales is that key, right? It is the key. If you have a struggling business, it's likely that your sales process isn't working. Yeah. Right. Because if you're doing marketing and lots of people know who you are and you're surprised that you still don't have the money that you need to run the business or to do the work that you want to do, there's a step between everybody knowing who you are and doing the work you want to do. And that's sales. You can call it whatever you want, but it's the conversion from somebody knowing who you are to working with you. Mm-hmm. And there's a process for that, right? And there's different ways of doing that. There's some ways that are really hard pushed and sort of messy and potentially sleazy ways to do it. And then there's really good, comfortable, happy, you know, let's build a relationship kind of ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, well, actually, before we jump into the actual steps and the process of it, you said that you're working as a fractional sales person. Could you explain what that is and what your role is with that? And then let's get into sort of the big picture on sales and your thoughts on working with small and medium-sized firms. So as a fractional sales leader, I work part-time for my clients. So it's different than a business consultant because a lot of business consultants will come in and say, oh, here's what you need to do and hand you a list. All right. And say, the bill's in the mail. Good luck to you. Yeah. I am an extension of their company. So I sign a non-disclosure, confidentiality. If I have an engagement with a particular kind of business, it's exclusive. If I had an architectural group, that would be it Right. in my marketplace. I don't... You're not working with competitors. No. Because yeah. I need you to be free to share everything. And... I get in there and I do an assessment and roll my sleeves up and say, okay, here's what we're doing today. Here's where you want to be. Here's some things that I think we need to do right this minute to help move you towards that. Ultimately, that's not the perfect solution, but it'll get us started and move the sales needle and we'll continue to adapt and grow that process as we're going. I stay in there. I make sure that it gets implemented. And then I coach everyone to continue to go back to it. Because what happens in any cycle is just human behavior is that things are bad. And so everybody's heightened. You know, they're going, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh my goodness. It works. It works. It works. Things are so good. Things are so good. I don't have to do it anymore. Right. And then you go back to where you were. And so my goal is to try to even it out, create that consistency so we don't have the peaks and the valleys, which can be a struggle because of human nature. We we do like to pull back. And it's small companies and everybody wears multiple hats. Right. And you are distracted and there's all sorts of things that are going on. And it's very easy to go back to that comfort zone of where you used to be. And so my biggest challenge with what I do is keeping people in the game. You know, don't stop. Don't stop. It's working. There's a reason why it's working. It's because we're doing it. Let's stay focused. Everybody has a function. Let's let them do their function and it'll all be great. And you can hate me all the way to the back, right? So Change is hard and I represent change. I'm very disruptive. So if I come into someone's company, things will change. You don't need me for them to stay the same. So it can be a lot. And I try to manage those steps of change. So if you've ever heard of a part-time CEO or part-time CFO or fractional, actually a concept it's the same idea. Right. It's just that I come at it from sales and helping people figure out how to sell their product. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. And you work with small and medium-sized firms. So could you sort of talk a little bit about when you first start working with a client, some of the issues that they're dealing with, right? So some of our listeners can sort of recognize themselves in the people that you're working with. Could you share that a little bit? 
Absolutely. So the most common is, gosh, I'm working really hard, but I'm working so hard. And I have a set group of clients that are treating me pretty well, but I can't seem to get off of ground zero. If nothing's ever getting better, yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm doing everything. There has to be a better way. And there is a better way. You have to train your people. You have to be able to delegate and build an infrastructure that's self-sustaining. There are a lot of things you can do, but a lot of it's process. So there's that. The other piece is, Beth, you know what? I'm doing great. I'm doing okay. You know, I'm good, but I can't grow. I don't understand why I can't grow. That seems like a really simple statement, but the number one thing that gets pushed to the side in any business is new business development. You're so busy and you're so terrified that you're going to lose a piece of business that you focus all your energy on your existing clients and the world is going on around you. You know, people are buying stuff every day and they're not buying yours because you are just, you're white knuckling that revenue. The other piece that people struggle with is they go, you know, I got a great product. My widget is great. My designs are the best. See, don't you think they're beautiful, Beth? Well, yeah, they are. They are beautiful. And I said, but, you know, who are you sharing that with? Yeah. The people that have already bought it? Oh, well, they know it. They're living in it. Are they, you know, they're working in it. How are you going out there and getting new clients? And what is that story? And why did those people choose to use you as a client? What challenges did you address for them? And how can we translate that to a prospective client? So we have a tendency to say, I have the best pen on the marketplace or the best widget or the best designs or whatever it is. And that's how we want to lead. And the reality is, is that nobody cares. So what? So what? You've got the best pen. So does John Doe down the road. Yeah. Why do I need this pen is what they care about. What is it that you can do for me that I need? And we have to address it that way. So the first thing I do when I go with a client is I say, we have to create your sales story and we have to figure out who you are and who you want to be. And sometimes that first headline is who you want to be. Because I have a client who is fantastic at what they do. But his goal is to be the premier IT end-of-life destruction provider in the Southeast. Well, I can guarantee you that his sales story, it begins with the headline, we are the premier IT destruction company in the Southeast. Fake it until you make it, right? Because if you I mean, if you say it enough, you believe it, and then everybody starts acting that way in your company. That's probably the most important thing you can do. Here's who we are. Yeah. Here is who we are. And you can put us against anybody out there. And then you say, um, if it's businesses, if it's commercial property that you're doing designs for or models or whatever it is, you can actually say, property managers turn to me because, and they turn to them because, one, they're frustrated with something. Something's frustrated them. They're challenged by, they're looking for. Identify the problems. Yeah, whatever those challenges are. And Sometimes people have trouble bowling it down because they're going, but wait, I've got this great, wonderful pen. Well, that's great. But what makes it so great and wonderful? You know, is it the people that you deal with? You know, are you different because you deliver on what you say you're going to do? Wow. Okay. Then that means that people, you know, people come to you because they were frustrated because of inconsistency in process or inconsistency in deliverables or they were not getting the services that they needed. There are reasons because those are the things that are going to hook someone. 
And if you build this sales story so you have an understanding, even if it, I always say it's a working document, because as your company grows and as you get more comfortable with this kind of idea, you start finding new reasons why people do it. You ask your best customers, what is it I did for you? Why? And we figure it out. So we create the list of why they come. Then we do a basic offering. We say we offer designs for commercial properties, whatever it may be. Forgive me, I'm not very good with the terminology in your business, but I can assure you I can learn it. (laughs) I'm sure there's acronyms associated with it. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Architects, listen up. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world and is going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. I know this community of small firm architects very well, and I see, I see many of you struggling. That's why I reached out to this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out just a few questions, BetterHelp can match you with a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in the show notes. It's betterhelp.com slash architect. Just use that link, betterhelp.com slash architect. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. So you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. If you need someone to talk to, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com slash architect. That's betterhelp.com slash architect. Thank you to BetterHelp for supporting this podcast and for supporting our community of small firm architects. Running a small firm architect business is just plain hard. Endless to-do lists, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of it all. But let me tell you about Gusto. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll and benefits and more. They help over 300,000 businesses by taking the pain out of tasks like automated payroll tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance administration, 401k, onboarding tools, you name it, Gusto makes it easy. And they really care about their small business owners that they work with. Their support team is attentive and helpful. I've used them, I know. And since money can be tight right now, you'll even get three months free when you sign up. I use Gusto and I think you should check it out too. Just go to gusto.com slash architect. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash architect and start setting up your business today. You'll see what I mean when I say easy. Again, that's three months free payroll at gusto.com slash architect. For over 30 years, RCAT has been providing AEC professionals with high-quality and up-to-date building product information. Today, RCAT.com is much more than a product catalog, with BIM, CAD, and specifications created in collaboration with manufacturers. Beyond that, RCAT.com also offers lead data, continuing education resources, newsletters featuring the latest projects and products, and, don't forget, detailed podcasts. Artcat.com is truly the one-stop shop for everything architecture. Try it out. Go to Artcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. So you need to create the sales story, which is basically who are you? What are the problems that we solve, which need to match the problems of the people that you're working to convert? Is that sales story something that we use verbally or written on a website or everything. It becomes the guiding document. What's really great is once you get that sales story done, because you'll do your basic offering and then you'll say, and we are wildly successful in this marketplace because we're different than anybody else. And here's what makes us different. And you list that. Well, the neat thing about it is that once you've done that, 
you have pretty much one sheet that talks about who your company is and what you do and what makes you different and what makes you so freaking awesome. And you can hand that, you can use that for everything. Because when you call someone and you're trying to get an appointment with them or you want to talk to them about a potential design or their prospective client, you get them on the phone and you have everything you would need to say. Hi, I'm with XYZ. We are the XYZ of the XYZ. Businesses just like you come to us because they're frustrated because of ABC. You know, we're different in this marketplace and I would really love to talk with you to see if we could add some value and if we're a fit, let's schedule a visit. Yeah. And so it's done. So you have that, but the key is to make it your own. So people, I always ask, you have to memorize it. You know, I have everybody, business owners, I have them read it every single day because it reminds them and it instills it in their heart. You can also use it to create your marketing messaging. So all of a sudden you're working with a marketing company who wants to do all this stuff and they're going, well, who are you? I can guarantee you that if you've got a sales story and you hand it to them, they might fall out of their chair because it's just not something people do. And they'll go, cool, this is really great. This gives us a lot to work with. It allows you to do emails because you've got all the components. I'm not saying to cut and paste the whole thing and send it to somebody. Right. You trickle to them. You give them a little bit at a time. And you keep everybody consistent, right? So your whole team, whether they're sales representatives or drafts people, they all understand the sales story. They all understand what the company is and why they are and who they are and who they serve and why they serve. So they're all saying the same thing. Exactly. And so the biggest challenge you address has to do with the customer experience. And you are working off of this messaging. Then what happens is that when it goes off, when it veers off, because life happens and things happen and that customer experience isn't all that great, everybody is saying, hey, we got a problem. This is not who we are. This is not one of our core values of who we are as a company. Eh, We might need to work on this. So it, it really helps pull everyone together. So I believe that sales and marketing have to be together. And it's easy to do that in a small company because generally you don't even have a sales Later and right. usually that person is the same person. Yeah. But what happens is you have a marketing person who generates leads for the salespeople or for the company. And the marketing people always say they're not following up on their leads. And then the people who are supposed to be following up on the leads are saying those leads are crap. Well, if you're all working off the same messaging and everybody understands what we're doing. Well, then it's a team effort and maybe we need to tweak the messaging. It's a full picture of what we're trying to accomplish. And it really helps build what I call the customer journey. And it has to do with customer experience, yes, but it literally starts with how do they find you? Who are they and how do they find you? And I integrate the customer journey and the sales process together. A lot of people keep those separate, but I want them to be together. If we were a Fortune 500 company that had multi-million dollars to market and I could say, okay, fine, I don't want anybody that hadn't visited my website. Well, that'd be fine, I guess, but we're not that. Sometimes we're three people. Right. Hell, sometimes they're one person. We're one person who is trying to go out and start a business for themselves. And I believe that in COVID, as a society, we are desperate for human connection. Agreed. Very much so. Yep. And I believe that one reason the sales profession has gotten such a bad name is that we have moved away from personal interaction. Yeah. We've gotten lazy. As salespeople, we've relied on tools and tactics rather than a human to human relationship. 
Yes. And so I believe that to be truly successful, especially in a small business circumstance, small to medium-sized business, is that you have to hold on to that. That is one of the biggest differentiators you will ever have. And so I build the customer journey that includes social media, that includes email marketing, that includes, I mean, if you want, you know, you can do digital marketing and SEO and Google AdWords. And of course, you got to have a website, but it also includes things like joining networking groups and finding a group, you know, like the chamber that you are in and, and you're participate, you're seen, and you're able to tell your story over and over again. And then you have in that you have, once you find a lead, how many times are we going to touch it? You know, what are we going to do? Now, the goal, or unfortunately, in this world, it takes 18 touches for anyone to pay any attention to you. Interesting. Now, aren't you glad I didn't make you wait 18 touches for me to say, yes, I'd be on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Define what a touch is. What does that mean? So that can be anything. Okay. That can be social media posts. So if you don't have a LinkedIn page, a Facebook page, an Instagram page, I don't really care about Twitter. And if you're visual, if you're an interior designer, you need to have a Pinterest. I know everybody's, what? but there's a lot of ladies like me who are out there that don't do anything that they, don't, they haven't seen on Pinterest. I don't cook a meal that I don't look it up on Pinterest. I might not follow it, but I'll look it up. You need to have a presence there. Now, people say that's a full-time job, Beth. No, it's not. You don't have to be perfect. Actually, I encourage you not to be perfect because when you're not perfect, you're authentic. When you pay, and there are marketing companies that'll probably stand outside my office building and shoot me. But when you pay for a marketing company to do a bunch of marketing posts that are always perfect, nobody pays attention to them because they're going, <laughs> Yeah, they look like all the other perfect social media posts. Yeah. And, you know, is it fun? Do you have a catchy picture? But it's just 12 a month. If you can do 12 posts a month across all of those platforms, it makes you relevant. Whether they like and follow you or not, it doesn't matter. It makes you relevant. So those 18 touches, that's seeing you on Facebook and seeing you over on LinkedIn. Then maybe it's a follow-up email. Maybe it's the telephone call that you originally had. So those all add up to 18. And then once they hit 18, that's the magic number that's typically where they'll sort of start to take notice of you as a potential sale? Yeah. It can be as simple as taking your business card. So a lot of people say, oh, business cards. Who does business cards anymore? Well, if you're not, you're making a big mistake. Because I have at least 40 stacks of business cards this thick. And every time I go to throw them away, I get nervous. I don't know why. But the neat thing about it is, is if you hand out your business cards, you just hand them out. Every time, if you send a note to someone, it could be a handwritten note too, by the way. You meet somebody at a bar and you say, here, I wanted to make sure you had my card, even though you might have given him one at the bar. I wanted to make sure that you had my contact information. Eventually, that logo is going to be associated with you and they're going to remember it. So it's think about it for the long run, too. You're making those personal connections, and that's just one more way. One of the things when I'm coaching someone, if they're having trouble meeting people or finding opportunities to talk about what they do, I always say to them, I want you to go out and I want you to buy 500 business cards. And they go, what? That's a lot of business cards. I go, yep, it sure is. But we're going to give them away in 50 days. What? They say. And I say, well, it's real simple. You do 10 a day. Yeah. So every day you stand there and you count 10. And I said, 
in the beginning, I'm fine with you taking them and pinning them up on that board at the local, you know, meet and three. Just get your cards out there. 10 a day. And at the end of the 50 days, if you still have cards, you haven't done what you've set out to do. But I can assure you, if you hand out 500 cards, something will come back to you. If you talk about what you do, you share parts of your sales story to 500 people or at least, you know, let's say 400, let's say 100 of them go up on bulletin boards or into where you are. Do you have those fish bowls that people put and say, put your business sure. card yeah. in so you can yeah. win free lunch? Yeah. All right. Let's say 100 of those go into that. But that's all right. You know, we'll let, we'll let that happen. But yeah, something's going to come back to you. There's no way. You aren't doing what you do because you don't think it has value. You do have value and you need to talk about it to people and share your story because you can help other people. Once that sales story works and you've done those ideas, those cards have gone out, you've written the story, you're telling 500 people your story, and now you start getting those calls and you can make those interviews, those meetings, whether they're online or in person. What do you do at that point? Right, Because that's the critical point, right? You get them to be interested. They want to have a meeting with you. So you've gone to that next step. But now you need to get from that step to them signing a contract. What's that process like? The key to that is good discovery. So when I say discovery, it's really understanding what it is they want, what it is that brought them to you. Which of the challenges is it? I love to ask the question in discovery. I'm your fairy godmother. I can be a pretty one or I can be the one from Shrek, whichever one works for you. <laughs> and I've got my wand. I've got my magic wand and I can wave it and don't let anything else come into play. Just if you could have anything you wanted, what would it be? Is it about money? Is it about time? Is it about anything? What would it be? And usually it's something that's achievable if you put your mind to it. You know, it's very rare that people come up with things that are outrageous. And if they do, I'll say, okay, well, that's interesting. How'd you come up with that idea? And then we'll back it up a little bit. But I do that because it helps me really understand the start of their why. You know, what is it they're doing and, and what is it that gives them that little pep in the step? Because if you start at it from that point, they're dreaming. And so you need people to dream. Right. So I... Try to get as much information as I can, their motivations, what it is they're trying to accomplish. I take really good notes and I use that in my proposal. So sometimes I would venture to guess that in your industry, you get the details of what they want and then you come back and you look at it, you evaluate it, and then you create some kind of proposal of yeah it's usually a written fee proposal that, that describes the process and what we do and how we do it right how much it costs and then that proposal is sent yeah. to them for approval oh you send it to them oh no there you go no 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 because remember you're more than that paper they're buying you so after the discovery and you get all the information and you get as much information as you can of what it is they want, then before you leave that meeting, you need to say to, to the person, the prospective client, so it's going to take me and fill in the blank, whatever it will take you to get together, get that proposal together. Let's say two weeks. It'll take me two weeks to get this pulled together. Let's go ahead and get on your calendar for two weeks out. You get a date. Let's do it. Let's schedule it. Now, that'll help the person as well who's having to do the proposal because if you have a definitive date, it helps you make the actually have a deadline. Right. Yes. And you say, if anything comes up between the next two weeks that you think of that we might have left out, please don't hesitate to call me. Now, you'd love it if they call you because that means they're really engaged. But And another touch point. Yes, but you can also, the fact that they will put you on their calendar, that means they're really serious. If they start skirting and wiggling and going, uh, and they 
it means there's something that's happened that sort of made them feel. And I personally would go back to it and say, is there something that we've left out? Is there, what can I do to make you feel more comfortable with this? It could be that they've had a bad experience with someone else. You need to know that. And they didn't even approach that in the process. So you do that. You get the proposal date. You come back. You do your magic of what you do to create the pricing and the fee structure and the process. But when you go back for that presentation, you create a one-page summary. Call it an executive summary, a client summary, whatever it is you want. Do it however you can do it on PowerPoint or whatever. And you start with what you learned in that meeting. John and Jane, I really appreciate your time a couple of weeks ago. And let's review what we talked about last week. Right. So show them that you were listening. Yes. Boom. Here it is. Here's what you wanted. Here were your challenges. And I want you to know that what we're fixing to cover takes all of this into consideration. Now, has anything changed between to change your ideas of what it is you wanted and your time frame for when you wanted to make this happen. And no, no, it's all good. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You go, okay, great. Well, let's get in. Now, would you hand them the whole packet? I don't know. We did. So you review that one sheet, right? You got that one sheet. That's all you've given them. You still got all your probably 25 pages process. And then you've got the price that's on the last page, I'm sure. Then you've got the engagement agreement that's behind that. Am I right? I'm just throwing things out. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So don't hand the packet to them. You lose control because what's the first thing they do? They start looking through it. They got and they go straight to where the price is. Right. Where the estimate is. And you're worth every penny of that. The problem is, is they've skipped all these pages. You manage the information. So you're in control. You should go through the process. You do all that. And as you're going through the process, you can bring it back to the things that they shared with you that were potential heartburn moments or challenges. And you say, now this addresses that. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. 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 And you go through all of that. You get to the final piece, which is the price. And you can go, and so you can have everything you wanted for this price. Right. And if they push back and they go, well, you know, that's a little much. I go, well, of all these challenges, of all these things you wanted, which one isn't important? Right. Right. We're not going to reduce our price without reducing our scope. Yeah. Which one isn't important? And then they go, well, no, they're all important. Are you sure? Because we can adjust them. Because I created a proposal for you that addressed everything you asked for. And then you're done. And they sign. Then you shut up. And then you're on your way. You ask a question. Is there anything that's keeping us from doing business today? And then you be quiet. Yeah. Some people say the first person that talks loses. I say the first person who talks wins because if you'll let the customer do it, They win because they're getting your service and that's what they wanted. So it's hard to shut up. Yeah, but that's a skill that you need to learn. Yes. That whole process are skills that you need to learn, right? The story, developing the story, memorizing the story, understanding the story, internalizing that. It's all something that you need to practice. Getting out there and having those 18 touch points, finding ways that do that and tracking them to understand which ones work and which ones don't work. So you can reuse the ones that do work and abandon the ones that don't work to the point where you develop how you present your proposal, how you do that document, as well as how you do it in person. And that the strategy of sort of presenting it page by page, giving them the price, if they you know push back on the price, understanding how to respond to that, right? Because that's a skill, understanding Right. So you're not sort of caught off guard when they push back. You have a way to bring them through that process. 
And then also, you know, allowing them to sell themselves, right? You've solved their problems. You've given them the solution. Here's the price and you're ready to go. And so those are great strategies, superpower strategies. There you go. We all have superpowers. My son, when he was a young boy, was, and actually still is, superhero crazy. He had every action figure you could have, Batman, Superman, yeah, all of them. He could go, back in the days of Toys R Us, he could go in to that action figure aisle, and he had hundreds of them, but he knew which ones he had and which one he didn't have. Yes. And as I was exploring the name of my company, he's an English teacher, and he said, I know what you need to call it. And I said, what? He said, superpower strategies. And I said, I think yeah. that is perfect. So yeah, so it. that's the background of that. But we all do. We don't realize them and we don't identify it. But if you're a real good listener, that's that, what is it called? Now I can't remember. Ultrasonic hearing or whatever it is. Yeah, Superman. Exactly. Yeah. We hear things for a while. But yeah. Yeah. And we certainly all have superpowers. And the ones that, you know, the things that we're not good at, we should have other people helping us with. And so if we're not good with sales, it's not a bad idea to have somebody come in and help you build these processes and understanding how to do it and work you and your team through that process. And so I'm happy that you provide that service to companies and brands that are like architects that are struggling with those tools. Before we wrap things up here, Beth, I wanted to understand we're talking to thousands of architects here, mostly small firm business owners that are struggling with the things that we're talking about. What would you say is the one thing that a small firm architect can do today right now to build a better business for tomorrow? Well, the first thing they can do is build a sales story so that they have something to talk about. That's number one. Number two is you're really good at what you do, but you should never stop learning and never stop being curious. So I would encourage everyone to take at least 15 or 20 minutes a day. And obviously they're listening to your podcast. They're doing that. But to really invest in themselves and learning something new every single day. Very good. Her name is Beth McClary Walford. The company is Superpower Strategies. You could learn more about Beth and her services at superpowerstrategies.com. Uh, first meeting is complimentary. So reach out, say hello, tell her, tell her that you heard us on uh, Entree Architect podcast. Uh, and she'll spend some time with you and, and share some of the knowledge that she has. Beth, thank you for serving small firms, for dedicating yourself to small and medium-sized companies. And thanks for coming by here and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect podcast. It was a treat. I hope I get the opportunity to come back. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a link with a friend. That is the best way to help us grow. And that's how we have grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Share a rating, write a review, but most important, share a link to this episode that you just listened to. Go send it off to a friend. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you to all our sponsors for this episode, links to the sponsors and all the resources that we discussed today in today's episode. They're all found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. You can now earn continuing education credits for listening to this podcast, Entree Architect Podcast. Select episodes are available for continuing education credit. Go learn more at gablemedia.com slash members. And if you are a small firm architect, listen up, architects. Join us today at Entree Architect Network, the worldwide organization for small firm entrepreneur architects. That's you with monthly business training, business resources, special session webinars, mastermind groups, and a thriving community of small firm architects. Your peers are there. Hundreds of them are there already. We will provide you with the support and the encouragement that you need to succeed. Hey, and this is super exciting. This is new, coming in 2024, Entree Architect Coaches. Yes, finally, after all these years, business coaching for small firm architects. It's coming to Entree Architect Network in early 2024. Join us. Try Entree Architect Network for free 
for 30 days. It's free for 30 days. Visit network.entrearchitect.com to learn more. That's network.entrearchitect.com to learn more. Try it. Come join us. Try it for 30 days. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage. Love, learn, and share what you know. Imagine earning continuing education credits while doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well, you can. Gable Media has revolutionized the way you earn your continuing education credits with a groundbreaking approach. Forget running around town and scouring the internet for credit-worthy courses. Fulfill your CE requirements effortlessly by listening to engaging podcasts just like the one you're listening to now. Our podcasts are designed to educate, entertain, and inspire, all in a user-friendly environment. But wait, there's more. Architects, Gable Media is also approved as an AIA Continuing Education Services Provider. Upon completion, we handle everything, from reporting your hours directly to the AIA, to storing your certificates in your personal Gable Media profile for your self-reporting needs. So follow the link in the show notes and start earning your credits in the most innovative and entertaining way possible with Gable Media. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.